Hi everybody and welcome to this, the audio recording of the ARC360 webinar recorded on the 16th of September. As always, a huge thank you to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, the Green Part Specialists in DASA and Innovation Group. So a fantastic session lined up with three very different repair entities. We've got Frixos Sharalambos, Managing Director of Exan, Jordan Fisher, Managing Director of Axiom UK, and Sam Smith, Director of Fix Auto. Uh, three sites he's got at the moment with one under development. Kick back, relax, and enjoy what's to come. So here we go. Welcome on board, uh, Jordan, Sam and Frixos. And again, welcome on board to everybody who's joined us thus far. Um, again, try and make this as interactive as possible as we can today. Bi-weekly we're on at the moment, so it's, uh, it's great to stay in touch with the industry and, and hear everybody's thoughts and opinions as we go. It's not just about these three people sat here and putting them in the hot seat, although that's what they volunteered to do, so that's very good of them. But uh, it is about uh, gauging uh, opinion and insight from everybody. So three very different repair entities. As I said, Jordan Fisher, Managing Director of Axiom UK, and uh, well, a relative newcomer to the UK market, and he'll give us a little bit more on that. So it uh, be interesting to see what's happened there in, in recent months and uh, moving ahead, what the plans are. Sam Smith, uh, multi-sites, three fixed auto sites, Currently, one under development, a brand new build, uh, one and a half million pounds site, I believe, which is under construction at the moment. So Sam's got more than enough on his plate, I'm sure. And also Frixos, uh, Cheryl Lambos of Managing Director of Exxon and an independent uh, v or vehicle manufacturer approved site in North London. So it'd be great to hear from Frixos and what his experience has been as well. So. I shall come around to you guys individually. So if I may, Jordan, could you just give us a, a, a brief oversight in terms of uh, yourself and Axiom UK? Sure. Um, afternoon, everybody. Um, yeah, we're new to the UK market in terms of um, accident repair. Um, we're quite an established company when it comes to PDR. So the brief, I'll try and keep it brief, the brief story of how Axiom came about um, we used to travel the world a lot repairing hail damaged vehicles and um, that took us across to the States, it took us across to Australia and all over Europe um, and we used to travel to a lot of events over in the States and one of the guys that I've been heavily involved with for the last decade or so in the PDR world, um, a guy called Ryan Hampton, he joined, force, he, he joined forces with um, uh, 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 the ex-VP of ABRA over in the States who decided to create what they call a hybrid um, body shop which incorporated PDR um, into the repair process for every vehicle that comes through the door. So it, it, the idea is to reduce damage as much as possible. They developed that over the years and um, invited us to bring the concept over to the UK which we did last year. We built out a, a new facility in Peterborough, and what we did, we we tried to be as obviously as possible with the build out, and we've we've installed SIMAC equipment, 
to speed up the repair process in the cycle times. Um, we obviously we we um, we emphasise everything on on the PDR front as well, and we've gone ahead with the um, what we see as a, the latest and most comprehensive ADAS recalibration system. So, so yeah, we're based in Peterborough. Um, we have got a vision to open up more sites, but the main objective for me is to get this site working as it's meant to be and then we'll move forward from there. Great stuff and uh, a lovely looking facility it is too Jordan and uh, I think I'm owed a visit very very shortly so uh, I look forward to, to coming down and seeing things there. Um, Sam across to yourself. Yeah so hello everyone uh, yeah so I'm Sam Smith uh, and we have uh, three fixed auto sites uh, we're, our company, T.S. Smiths, has probably been running for just over 40 years now. It's just myself and, and my dad, and my dad's still involved. Um, so it's a family business, and we really like to try and keep it that way because uh, it just keeps it small and easier for us to run. It fits with our ethos. We've been working at Fix Auto now for probably 13, 14 years, uh, and we've got the, the three sites, and we're looking to hopefully open a fourth uh, in Leeds later on this year. So being part of that, that fixed auto franchise group has been really good for us, especially in light of everything that's just happened. Uh, having that support and having those people that you can dial into and talk to uh, has been really, really useful. So we're just building on that and we're trying to get our processes right so that we can expand into our new site and, uh, and manage everything centrally within the group. So within just our, which will be three before sites, manage everything centrally. So we still have that that easy touch on each job to see where everything's going uh, because it's been a difficulty for us, I suppose, keeping it individual sites and keeping that close touch whilst expanding. So although it's taken us a while to get to this stage, we haven't waited to rush into an expansion and get overwhelmed with work. We feel we want to still keep the processes efficient, keep the processes simple. So, so we still maintain all that good sort of family business ethos whilst also working more like a corporate, I suppose, with, with Fix Auto. Uh, and that balances work, work really well. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Sam. Look forward to mm. hearing more about that. And uh, you say hopefully opening a, a new site in Leeds. Well, let's, uh, let's certainly hope that's the case. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been a bit of work. So, uh, and, and Frixos, over to you, if you can just uh, give us a little insight into yourself and the business. Yeah, sure. Hi. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, yeah, I'm the managing director of um, uh, XAN. It's a small single site Excellent repair based in central London. Uh, business is nearly 50 years old now, still in uh, family ownership. Uh, rather like Sam, it was started by my father uh, all those years ago. I've been with the business 30 years and taken it from what it was back then as a, a kind of a general, general repairer doing servicing, MOTs and car sales to uh, a focused specialist accident repair center, um, VM approved, as uh, Mark said, for the uh, VW Audi uh, brands. And yeah, we, we work exclusively um, with the retail public. We have no insurer approvals. Um, we receive our work and get our inquiries by virtue of our presence online and through our affiliations with uh, Audi and Volkswagen retailers in our local area. Um, some of you may be familiar with the model of uh, implanted personnel that work 
inside dealerships, um, and that is that is the model that we uh, that we use. So, an employee of Exam will work within the business of uh, uh, an Audi or a Volkswagen retailer. Uh, traffic from that dealership will get steered towards our, uh, our employee, and from there starts the uh, the transaction, if you like, whether it's a private repair or insurance, and so on and so forth. And then that will then get booked into uh, the main the main head office where the workshops are. So that's it in a nutshell, really. Great stuff. All right. And we'll come back for plenty more detail on that soon, Frixos. So uh, I just want to hop uh, hop back to uh, the polls, really. So to get people involved in what we're doing today. So uh, again, anonymous voting. So uh, we won't see who's voted for what, but uh, if we can have some uh, good, honest answers, that would be a good thing. So you'll see the poll come up on the screen now. Um, so have you experienced a change in claims volumes over the past few weeks? And that's obviously very much been uh, a core focus of these conversations during obviously uh, lockdown and pandemic we're obviously moving the conversation on from that as we go but it's uh, good to just continue to gauge where we are in terms of anecdotally the industry and uh, claims volumes out there we'll give a couple of seconds for anyone who's not voted okay and i'll share the results on the screen there, so slight increase, 50 or 49%, significant increase, that's always a good sign. Remain static, mm. slight decrease again, so it's sort of highlighting, if you like, this sort of regional, what appears to be regional fluctuations taking place and significant decrease, 3%. So let's do poll number two, uh, launch polling. Uh, so how do you feel the nationwide accident repairs services acquisition is likely to impact on the industry stroke your business? And again, just a very much an opinion piece, this one. Um, obviously, extremely sorry to see the closures of sites and the redundancies that have taken place there. But uh, again, a sort of new exciting chapter begins with uh, Ready Northgate taking control of various entities or business aspects of the nationwide model. So again, just a, a few more seconds in terms of any votes. And again, that's in the polling. Let's share those results. So minimal, 39%, somewhat 37, significant 16, none 8%. Okay, so we will bear those in mind for the conversations. Poll number three. And there are only four, don't worry, we won't uh, bore you with too many. So people and skills are again becoming front of mind within the sector as we look ahead. And it's a conversation uh, myself and the panellists when we met up earlier today had uh, around this. Um, so have recent months changed how you view this area? Uh, you as a business, so have you developed completely new approaches? Are you now looking at things significantly different? You've made some positive changes or were you already on the right path? And again, Honesty is the best policy here. Well, again, we'll give people a few seconds just to up the responses and we're coming in. Which is great stuff, by the way. And here we go. 
So few positive changes, 60%, already on the right path, 29%, that's always a good sign. And so developed a completely new approach, 11%. So anyone, by the way, who's responding to these polls, please drop me an email afterwards, because I'd love to uh, hear more about your responses and, and if there is a completely new approach out there that we need to know about. Um, be great to air it on a webinar and or feature yourselves on a podcast. So do drop me a line. And finally, business interruption ruling. So uh, earlier this week, yesterday, in fact, I think the news broke that uh, business interruption, uh, the FCA had brought the test case in a bit to resolve the lack of clarity and uncertainty that existed and uh, it fell in favour of the FCA. Obviously, an awful lot still to, to do and go behind the scenes and it is just purely a test case. But uh, how important do you feel this is um, at the moment? And again, we've had a little conversation about this as the panelists, so we may touch upon the subject. A few seconds there. And there we go, the responses are in. So very important, 20%, it's interesting, 71%, not very, 9%. So there we have it. Wonderful stuff. What do we take from all that then? <laughs> right, so let's get ourselves into gear then and we will have a little uh, sort of conversation. We obviously know in terms of uh, each of the respective businesses there. So Jordan, uh, you were kind of new to the UK market. Um, plans were obviously in place, but you knew it was gonna be a bit of a rocky ride. You kind of didn't know it was going to be quite this rocky. So just uh, give us a little bit of context. Again, I don't want to backtrack too far, but just a bit of context in terms of where the business sits uh, right now. Yeah, we, so we opened our doors officially in January um, and we saw a slower but steady increase of work, um, mainly from accident management companies. Um, and this is why I was saying to you earlier, Mike, I do feel that we was in a good psychological position compared to what a more established uh, accident repair company would have been in. Because this year was expecting, like you say, a, a bumpy ride. Um, we, you know, we, we had our forecast in place, but we weren't, you know, we weren't expecting to be, you know, we weren't expecting them to be um, met with in certain circumstances for good or bad. Um, so when this hit, obviously, we had to reforecast. We knew how long we could go without, um, you know, without a, a flow of work coming through. Um, I think I don't know what everybody else was, but we were we were sort of predicting a, a two-month massive disruption, and then easing back into it, which it has. Um, post lockdown, we did see an increase in work, so we. We hit June um, better than what we left off in March. So that was a positive sign. But we were dealing with a little bit of backlog from the fleet side of, of repairs. Um, yeah, and then I think we've, from what I'm hearing from others that I'm speaking to, we followed the curve. We, we sort of had a bit of a lull after that, and now things have really ramped up again. Good stuff. Great to hear. Yes, that's a nice summary of what's happened. And Sam, uh, yourself again, just kind of, you know, a bit of context in terms of where things are currently with the, with the business. Yeah, well, I think uh, there's probably no surprises in uh, in how our curve went. 
Um, when it first happened, of course, we had no idea how long this was going to last. Uh, and I, I think that very first day, we had all, quite a lot of suppliers just, just shut up shop. So the work in the first week, it dropped by 80 85%. So we had almost everything cut down. Um, we don't have a lot of work in progress in play at any one point, but, but that's how we like to have it anyway. Uh, so we probably only had about a week's worth of, of work going through going through the tube, so to speak, on the conveyor belt. Um, so we had to, we couldn't make more work appear, of course. So we had to make sure that we could service the work we did have um, and try and keep the business working as normally as we can. Because if everything's unplugged and gone, you, you're in a scenario you just don't really know how to cope with. So you've got to still be positive and look for the best. So that first week, I don't think I've ever been busier. I don't think I've ever been busier. You know, we had we had certain people thinking, oh, there's not as much work going on, and there wasn't. But we, behind the scenes, had to scramble to get all new suppliers in place because some people disappeared. Some people were brilliant, and they stayed on. Some some suppliers, new suppliers came along, and they were fantastic, and we've carried on working with them. Um, and, and then we had to put all sorts of little things in place as well, like we're going to go and pick up parts from certain locations and bring them in. We even had some some dealers going even further afield, like Stockport, uh, and I think even further, I think we, did, we had one at Lincoln once, uh, bringing them back into Bradford and then we picking up with our vans and then taking them to each site. So it, it was real, you know, all, all hands on deck trying to think of all the solutions. Um, and, and then our work volume sort of stayed about 30%. Uh, and then we had the, the Easter weekend and it all collapsed again back down to, to just like a handful of jobs in the week. And we thought, oh, what's happening now? But ever since that, that bank holiday Easter weekend, it's just slowly got busier and busier and busier. Uh, and the strange thing, uh, when they first had the lockdown, where, where I actually live is, is in the Dales. Um, and, and it's normally quite quiet. But as soon as lockdown happened, it's never been busier out here. Uh, people everywhere walking around. Uh, so it was, a real, it was just a really strange time uh, to go through. So, so we reestablished those new supply lines. We got everything up and running as best we can. We utilized obviously the furlough scheme where we could. We furloughed one of the sites. We centralized everything um, at that point. Because the, the unique thing about this, and it's, it's all a horrible thing and you don't ever want it to happen, of course, but it enabled us to almost reset to zero, uh, which is something we couldn't have done before. So we almost had nothing and, uh, and we were preparing to centralize our engineering and our claims. So we thought, well, this is the opportunity. Let's, let's, we've got a new internet phone system. We're all on, on something called G Suite. So all the emails, everything centralized. So let's do it. Uh, so we did do it and it was really easy to implement because there weren't many calls coming in. So, so we got that up and running uh, and that's been a massive benefit for us now going forward because doing that when you're really, really, really busy would have probably been really hard work. So, so it, was just, it was just opportunity hitting prep, preparation at the right time. Uh, so it's just look really, I suppose. And, uh, and yeah, and, and that worked really well. Um, and we'll benefit from that now. And things have sort of been, the last three months have been back an average of 90%. So I think we're really lucky with that. I think that is just, it is like you say, it's regional. That There are lots of places we talk to. I mean, by being part of FIX, that's been really good because without that and without having the, you know, we had all the, the web calls where we could all meet up straight away and say, what's happening? How is it going with you? Uh, sharing all that information has been brilliant. And then fixed to the thing, of course, where they were letting people know about uh, what you could claim back, the grants and everything else. So again, that was another big lifeline because all this information coming from everywhere, it's just bringing it into one place and, and everybody around you is panicking uh, a little bit. But but you, if you're, you're, as you're leading the company, you want to try and bring all that together and go, be calm, it'll be fine. We'll find a way through. 
um, and we steadily have, and we've sort of sort of come back to a, a version of normality. It's great to hear, and you know, brilliant that you've you've managed or navigated your way through it. Um, you know, you, you've seen the opportunity or made the most of it in a, in a bizarre kind of way, and it almost sounds you know wrong to say that, but um, but it's great to see that's what's what's been going on behind the scenes. And I and I think you know, again, that community thing that's one of the things that we've really benefited from with the webinars is the sense that everyone's sort of felt a, a sense of belonging and uh, it's it's just helped people you know it can be a lonely old place out there as a as a business manager and uh, and understanding other people's plight I think uh, you know certainly brings it home or puts it more into context and uh, so Frixos over to your good self so where, where are you in in terms of the, the current state of play? Well trying to get back to normal uh, like everybody else, uh, if I cast my mind back to that period in March, and I think now, um, when was the Prime Minister's announcement? I think it was 23rd. Uh, already that the signs were there that, you know, supply was a little bit creaky, um, nervousness, customers withholding their bookings, not being so forthright with making arrangements. Uh, I think it was on everybody's mind that the lockdown was coming. Um, in the end, the decision was pretty much taken away from us by virtue of the retailers that we work with said, we're closing, you know, we've, we've taken the decision, we're shutting up, that's it. Um, so with that, you know, you think to yourself, well, what, what are we staying open for? Um, uh, then the announcement came from the Prime Minister and that, that really kind of drove it home. That was it. You know, we're going to have to lock down. Um, in the end, we stayed closed until the end of June because uh, all the time, one of the reasons in, uh, factor into quite apart from getting the, the workshop and the offices COVID safe for a, a, a safe return to work, was obviously building up that pipeline of, of inquiries and bookings with which to justify a reopening. Um, so obviously that was going on behind the scenes with our uh, sales staff, whilst the rest of the business was still furloughed. Um, that didn't happen until the 1st of July. So great order book to, uh, to come back to work to. Surprisingly, it didn't take that long to you know eat our way into it i mean um there were delays in in, in authorizing repairs for example um, insurance companies themselves were still finding their feet trying to you know make make do with fewer staff uh, fewer engineers remote workers so those um authorizations weren't as timely as uh, uh, as they would have been but nevertheless, we, um, you know, we, we had a good, um, better than expected July. August, not as good as July. And now into the kind of going into the third week in, in September, it's, I've got to say, my experience is it's, it's the, the level of inquiries, um, I don't know whether it's level of accidents, but they're not. Um, not, not, not sustained, not, not a sustained return to normal. You know, there's no clear line trajectory. Yet. Um, so 
yeah, it's pretty much, you know, day, day to day, day to day survival. Mm -hmm. Great, great stuff, Rixos. And, um, you know, again, very, very different stories from, from three, you know, very different entities, if you like. So it's great to kind of, you know, get a grasp in terms of what everyone's faced. Um, you know, again, I think generically people put a sweeping statement across a repair or a body shop and think everyone does kind of the same thing or relies on the same flow of work. Whereas actually we're, we're now sort of really drilling down into how, uh, how it affects businesses independently. So what I want to come on to now is, is again, moving the kind of the conversation on a little bit. We, we're all, you know, back to some form of normality. Um, Sam, you, you sort of indicated that you took the opportunity to, to implement some new technologies and ways of doing things. Um, and likewise, Jordan, you, you said previously when we were, we were off air, you'd, you'd spoke about the staff who were in and, and kind of kept things ticking over for yourself. But, you know, what, what, what have we learned? Is, is the business now back different to how it might have been, to how it was kind of set out to be? Um, can you take that one for us, Jordan? I mean, the... I think the first thing that comes to mind on that front is um, is taking advantage of some of the schemes that have come into play, which, I mean, mainly for us is apprenticeship schemes, um, with us having a focus on growth and the fact that we've got to a certain point now, um, we're, we're trying to increase capacity, we're going to have to fill some gaps and, and apprenticeships might just do that for us. And I think with the government announcement on... Um, on the unemployment rate and the, the, the sort of the age groups that, that seems that seems to be affecting most, um, I do think now is a time to to get on board with one of these schemes, and we're putting together programmes internally for us where we've actually gone a step um, behind the apprenticeships, and we've got two of our our HR manager and our training manager. They've both enrolled on um, on the STEM system, so along with um, School of Thought with Dave Reese. Um, so they're trying to get into schools and start introducing people to the motor trade and, and showing people around the workshop. And then we'll, we'll, we'll start introducing more apprenticeships into the, into the business. And obviously with the extra government funding or the grants behind it. And um, yeah, I think it's just now is a time for us to change into, into looking at younger people, getting them on board. Has that always been a kind of core philosophy of the business? Um, and, you know, even more so, is it, is it kind of, you know, have your eyes been opened up to it in, in, with recent events in mind? Well, I mean, young people, yes, because what we've brought to the body shop is, is it's not conventional equipment. So, you know, the spray booth, for example, using the CIMAC equipment, you could stick a, you know, a paint that's been painting 20 years in there and he's, he's sort of back to square one. The fundamentals of painting is the same, but dealing with the speed of the curing and everything else, it's, it's done differently. So, and as well with, with our, with the way that we wanted to, we, we wanted to create hybrid staff. Now, easier said than done when, you know, we're compliant to BSI and everybody's got to have the qualifications in certain areas. But that's one thing that we're looking at doing is training people up up to qualification level between each part of the process. So yeah, there's a few things, but the focus was on it wasn't when we set up Axiom, everybody's you know, everyone said to me that the area you're gonna struggle with is staffing. 
And I always knew in the back of my mind that we had to staff to a certain level, but filling those gaps, we could open it up to the, a wider audience and, and do in-house training up to a certain level. So, so yeah, it's, it's always been there. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Jordan. And, and Frixos, I'll, I'll come back to you on this one because... Again, when we when we were off air earlier, you kind of you know we we spoke of this, um, and in ter- in terms of your business, you know the the people, the skill sets that are now required. You know that again, the conversations have gone back to these areas. Being a, a VW Group approved repairer, mm. you really need your finger on the pulse in terms of all the technology that's on these vehicles. Absolutely, I mean the the rate of new model introductions by the uh, VW Audi brand is is relentless. Um, and it's fantastic. It, it, I mean, it is what marks them out as a successful brand. Um, the, the point is that the whole after sales network needs to keep up. And I mean, if we didn't have challenges before COVID, you can just imagine now. So, you know, Volkswagen has has stated that it is, it is one of those brands that is massively invested in the new um, electric vehicle technology. And that's the way it sees its future. Um, <clears throat> so therefore, all, all repairers in the network, um, you know, are going to need to follow suit. And that's investment in training, equipment, facilities. Uh, and, uh, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, that's a challenge in itself without the added challenge of, uh, you know, uh, COVID and, 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 and the effects that, that that's going to have on, on us all. So, yeah, challenging and exciting at the same time. But, we, you know, we have to, I think, embrace that now and move, move away from, uh, uh, from the COVID uh, debate. And we, we did touch on that earlier and, and hopefully open up the discussion to, to, to all of our futures. No, absolutely. No, I think you're absolutely right with that. And um, and, I, and I'll, I'll stay on with, with yourself for, for a moment there, Frick. So I've touched on some really good subjects there um, in terms of skill sets, technology that we're seeing. And again, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, that's not stopped. That's, that's still been happening. Um, you know, developments have still been taking place, despite the fact that all our, you know, everyone's uh, sort of been distracted by, uh, by obviously been what's been going on in recent months. But and in terms of a, of a business, you know, that, that's one of the challenges you face um, moving ahead is, you know, keeping up to speed with, with all of this progress. Is there anything that you've kind of, you know, learned in the interim during the time that you were closed down about your business, alternative ways to do things, um, you know, different ways to draw work into the business? You said you were obviously re- retail focused. You know, are, are there different ways that you've kind of, thought yeah actually you know that's something perhaps to either safeguard ourselves or or increase the volume in the first place yeah that's a very good point i think we are going to have to get more uh more savvy with e-commerce and look at how that can you know augment the traditional routes into uh, uh into a vehicle ending up in our in our business um yeah no you're quite right that is something that we've engaged with our retailers um, we're having conversations with their marketing departments and to see what it is i mean it's it, it'll be familiar to to everyone watching i mean 
how do you market accident repair? It, it's always been that tricky thing. Um, <clears throat> traditionally, the way dealers have tended to do it is through, uh, you know, paper-based items, whether it's a, a, a sticker on a sun visor or a business card or a leaflet or something that gets left in the driver pack. But clearly, these are things that they're outmoded now. They're, they're, and they're certainly not in use by, you know, the demographic that is now driving around in these vehicles. Um, you know, generation Z, generation Y. So, yeah, we have, we will have to move with the times. And yeah, yeah another exciting challenge to take on. So we're at the midway point and a huge thank you to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Enjoy the rest of the recording. Good stuff. That's it. That's it. That's the way to view it. Exciting challenges. We like that. <laughs> now, Sam, I'm going to come across to you again. So um, we, we touched upon it. You touched upon it. The, the fourth site, um, the first new build, I believe, amongst the Fix Auto Network. Um, I hope I'm correct in saying that. But, but yeah. you know, give us a little bit of insight there. Couldn't have happened at a, a better time, could it? <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah, it's about how you frame things, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know that as well. Uh, and when Fix told us it was the first uh, dedicated site um, that's ever been built from the ground up to be a Fix Auto site. Uh, yeah, it's it's off the back of, I don't know, um, Leeds is a bit of a strange place in terms of trying to get sites and, and volume. We uh, we originally went into Leeds in 2015, uh, and uh, and we, we just took work we already had. We didn't have any new work in the area. So we just then built up work as we went along. We then needed to identify another site because it was getting just, just too full for what we'd prefer. It's like an 8,000 square foot site. We didn't really want to go too much bigger than that. We'd rather have another unit, another space. Uh, so getting somewhere in Leeds proved difficult. So we ended up having to rent somewhere in the interim, which is where we are now. We kept the original smaller site. We sort of mothballed that. Uh, and the original plan was to actually reopen that earlier this year alongside the rented site and then move into the new Viaduct Road site, which is the new build that you're talking about. Uh, the, it, well, it was going to be originally summertime. Uh, and that was, that was the plan. So really, other than being delayed for a few months, it's, it's sort of worked out. Um, and the reason it sort of took longer to find is, is property is a little bit harder to find. Well, it was for us anyway, harder to find in Leeds. Uh, you couldn't just go out and buy somewhere straight away. It was, it was difficult. Uh, but now we've got a really, what we think is going to be a really lovely location, a really nice location. It's quite good in that it's really central. I think I think the postcode, because obviously it's getting a new postcode, it's a whole new site. I think it's LS4, so it's quite central, but it's really easy to get to, uh, which is which is different to Bradford. It's just it's just a, it's quite an easy place to get to that particular site. So so I think that'll work really, really well. So other than the delay of, of the few months, and I'm saying that hopefully it'll be November, until we get all the utilities signed off, we're never 100% certain, of course. Uh, but it would like to be there by the end of the year, and then we can move out of the rented place early next year, well, this year, and then get rid of that one completely. And then we'd also reopen our original lead site, hopefully next month. So, so we're good to go with that as well. Fantastic, fantastic. And what, what are, you, are you doing anything... Um, 
you know specifically new with the site you you're, you're obviously you're heavily focused on process i know you are getting things yeah. right and, and then sort of yeah. rolling them out so just get, again give us a little insight in terms of yeah. Yeah. Build. So, what give you the opportunity to do yeah so so we sort of believe very much the process is key so loads of lovely ties out there and lots of really good things you can get and they're generally great tools but without the process being right of how you repair that vehicle it doesn't really matter what you've got you have to have a really good process. And we are by no means have got the perfect process. We, it's a constantly evolving uh, way of trying to do it. And it's interestingly try, interesting trying to do it as well as expand. So we're back to that thing of trying to keep control and keep it like a small family business because there's a lot of benefits to that, but also deal with a bigger volume um, and deal with that in, in a way that's, that's quick and it's quality and it gives everybody the time. Because you find that when you have a smaller number of, of like, well, we find anyway, a small number of live jobs at any one time, you get through them quicker. And, and as soon as you get, there's like a tipping point where if you have too many vehicles in at once, it suddenly all slows down. It gets really unprofitable. It all collapses. And it's keeping that conveyor belt smooth that really fascinates me. Uh, and I just found it a really interesting thing. And, and, and I suppose the key new thing that we're probably doing in the Leeds area is our, our original Leeds site that we're reopening we're going to reopen that as a, as a heavier job site. So we, we know from our own stats over the last 20 years, so we've got lots of data, uh, that we have about 10 to 15% of work that we would class as a heavier job. And, and we feel if we take all of that work and put it into one location, everywhere <laughs> else should then speed up and go even quicker uh, because the conveyor belt's freed up. It's like anything. If you've got what everybody will know, if you've got a really big job, you can tie up a panel guy for nearly a week or whatever, and, and it can be harder to do because you've got to focus a bit more and make sure you get the parts right at the start, get a proper strip. So if you have a site dedicated to just doing that, you, you should unlock the flow everywhere else. So again, it's just another way of looking at it to see if we can make the process quicker, make it quicker without causing any more stress. I think that's the key thing. You, you want to go faster, but you don't want to go faster and stress everybody out and make anything collapse. So it, it's getting that balance right. So yeah, that's that's, that's where we really interesting stuff. Again, it kind of touches on this uh, segmentation theory that I suppose I work on. Um, but again, yeah. you know, three very different businesses sat here doing very different things. You're kind of now starting to divide up your actual work work that you see coming through, through one operation. So, really interesting stuff. So, um, we'll jump back into kind of wider industry aspects now. So, so Jordan, can I? I'll come to you on this at the moment. Um, so just, you know, general observations on the market right now, we've, we've obviously seen kind of, you know, the nationwide, the ready, the Northgate thing take place. We've seen the poll come through here. Um, what have we got? 39% minimal impact, 37% somewhat of an impact on the industry. It's big news in the UK, obviously. Um, but, you know, have you kind of got half an eye on it? Does it present opportunities, threats to yourself? Are there other things that perhaps you're even more, you know, focused on within the sector right now? Yeah, I mean, our, our focus is growth, which, like I said before, we, we, we do have to focus on getting what we're building right first at this first site. So it does open up opportunities, especially when we're looking at future sites because there's a portion of sites that didn't that weren't part of the sale that that you know potentially could be available um but at the same time we can't rush into anything um nature will take its course on on where we get we've got we've got our our number of site vision that we want in the future but again i'm not going to be held by that 
but to see where we get to. Um, obviously, I feel terrible for you know the, the 500 plus staff that that did get told that they weren't getting put across. Um, I, I, you know, the position they must be in at the moment must be horrific. Um, so I do hope that they all do find somewhere and and get placed within the marketplace somewhere. Um, yeah, we're we're the same as same as Sam was just saying. It's funny you should say that Sam with the triage of work. We're looking at at, at, at doing the same at, at this site here, and obviously we've got a very close site that was under the nationwide banner that's that's just come available within a stone so away from us, which people would say you crazy opening a site 200 metres away from the first one but we could be looking at it not in terms of, of growth across the country but more in terms of sorting out our processes in here because we're the same as Matt we've got a whole fast track system the full shop is fast track but if you throw a commercial vehicle that can't be side loaded into a CIMAC booth into the mix it, it, it destroys it and the same with the you know the heavy work you know, we've we've built our model knowing that, like like Sam said, ninety percent of the repairs, are, especially with ADAS, it's getting less and less at, at, at non-structural repairs or, or smaller repairs. So we've built our model around that, and we even said when we when we set this up that we weren't even going to put a jig inside the place because it, we didn't want that excuse to take on that work. Obviously, we did put a jig. <laughs> we had to change our plans. To, you know, we can't put our foot down because otherwise we'll get no work coming in but um, yeah and, and especially for, for BSI as well we had to have that equipment in place to to uh, comply with that but we want to move all that work out of here and yeah other body shops that have got the infrastructure in place whether it just be airlines for now or, or the electronics built for a body shop that would be appealing to us to take over an existing site as opposed to do what we did last time and I'm sure you've had these headaches as well, Sam, but building from the ground up is always things that get in the way. And it's simple things like gas connections and things like that, you know. Um, so if we could take some of these redundant sites, then, yeah, it will, it will give us a, a few more opportunities. God. Jordan, you should have spoken to Sam months ago. It's too late now telling him about the problems. <laughs> um, so Sam, coming back to you again on the you know broader industry um, you know the happenings out there at the moment. Is there anything that sort of piques your interest? That, uh, that again, you know, do you, do you do you think there'll be significant impact across the industry? Or again, like the industry always does, we just evolve, it reshakes, and we reshuffle, and, yeah. and on we go. I think I think a lot of things are going to start. Inevitably, things are going to start to go back to the normal they were before. Yes, we'll we'll have a lot of the COVID effects in place, like the social distancing, and rightly so, and things that we do at work and spacing things out. I think that that's the danger is we go back to exactly doing what we did before. I think we've got to pick on the things that have worked well, that are genuinely useful again going forward and build on those new ideas. And, it, and it's funny, it's when it's all gone um, a little bit pear-shaped, it's made us rethink how we work. So, you know, like we, we have to have video calls, we'd have to have, you know, we couldn't go and meet up as, as often or at all uh, it, right at the start, of course. But then those video calls, just taking that as an example, what a great way for the management team to meet up across sites. Because even taking just, even if you just had two sites, any, any sort of multiple sites, it's really hard for people to take them away from work, go meet somewhere else and then drive back again. 
all that's gone. You, you can get that. You can box all that off. We, we had a uh, we have a review management meeting now that we're trying every month, and it's just easy to do. Everybody can dial it and then dial back out again. Uh, and as people get more comfortable with the technology about sharing screens as well, you actually find it can sometimes be more productive. Now, I don't for a second think that that will replace face-to-face meetings. You, you, you get something else with actually meeting people in person, but it's just another tool in the box, and it's a really useful one. And, and it would be nice if people still use that going forward, even if, if COVID isn't the reason for using it. Actually, we're going to use it because it makes things a bit more efficient. We don't have to drive anywhere, and we can save a little bit more time. Let's not let the driver be something negative. Let's let the driver be something positive that it actually helps us get things done. So, yeah, so I think the technology, the technology, absolutely, and there's a lot of it out there, and a lot of it's either free or very, very low cost. Um, so hopefully people continue to take advantage of that. Great stuff, great stuff. Now, Frixos, I'll come to you and uh, we'll touch upon the subject of the interruption uh, case that's earlier in the week because you kind of suggested that um, obviously with the position of your business, it, it might be something that, um, that is relevant to yourself, really. So, um, you know, what, what, are, what are kind of your thoughts on there? And I'm sure there's other body shop, many other body shops in the same position as yourself who are kind of at the moment thinking, what does it, what does it kind of mean? Is it, is it uh, something for me? So what's your take on that? Well, I would say, yes, I would encourage everybody to um, start a conversation uh, if you're not discussing it already with your insurance brokers. Um, you know, un- unknowingly even, you may even have an extension on your motor trade policy, which entitles you to cover for this, you know, precisely this type of incident. Um, I mean, if you take the time to read into the ruling, which, you know, by no means, I don't think anyone's got a definitive interpretation yet. Uh, that's going to take time for the industry to, to disseminate. But I understand that certain a certain number of insurers um, will find that the ruling doesn't apply to them others it does, um, and of course, businesses likewise, uh, policy holders. So it, it pays to have those conversations and, and to see. Um, for example, in our direct case is where a situation where a, a third party's work provider uh, had closed down, we were then unable to send our representative to work in that at that location, in that business, and ergo, the work dries up for us back at back at the workshop. So that's the question. Um, obviously, different different scenarios for different businesses, but it's still worth uh, worth asking the question. I think. Yeah, certainly. And I think you know, as as we said, I think it's a is it a sixty. 162 page document i think i read earlier so it's um you know it's quite a it's quite a heavy heavy document to get stuck into and i and i think there's an awfully you know long way to go with all of this um but it was a it was a test case and it, it sort of ruled in favor um of terminology and things at the moment so uh but mm. um yeah but yeah certainly something that uh, obviously you'll be keeping a close eye on and uh, and others um so uh, just wondered if there's uh, anyone out there who's got any questions for the panelists um <laughs> feel free to uh, fire them our way um we've got plenty to still talk about that's for sure but um if anyone's got anything that they uh, urgent or keen to ask the panelists then please do again similar repairers i know tuning in today and we'll all have uh, similar uh challenges and uh, opportunities that they face so um 
feel free to fire away. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, the, the Q4, let's, let's kind of, you know, whittle it down if you like in there. Um, and the focus really for, you know, Q4 for yourselves um, and in terms of, you know, you, your kind of thoughts on in terms of where that might go, whether it be your volume, whether it be the return back to, you know, dealer sales or, or dealership work. Where do you think it's uh, it's heading, Jordan, at the moment? And again, it's a bit of a how long's a piece of string kind of who's got the crystal mm -hmm. ball effect. But um, as things stand currently here today, what's your take? I mean, yeah, and even more so for us because we've got no comparison to previous years with this being our first year. But again, focus on our own processes. We're expecting um, an uplift in work. Um, so where we found ourselves to where we're due to be, we've got to manage that extra work and see how our processes cope with it. Um, and that's it. Repair as many cars as possible in the fastest time possible. But you know, with an eye on on, we're not we're not we tend not to look elsewhere. You know, I prefer to have friends in the industry as opposed to looking what Joe Bloggs is doing down the road. Um, so we're not comparing ourselves. We're just say we're just focused on our own on our own increase of, of work and making sure we can cope with it and making sure we're 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 doing our best for the customers and and work providers. Um, I'm expecting a busy quarter, that's for sure. And hopefully by the end of it, we'll be where we're expecting more turbulence as well. You know, we're, we're dealing with work that might not necessarily be with us in the future. It might be, you know, a knock-on effect from the disruption we're seeing in the market now. So we've got to keep that in the back of our minds, but we'll, we'll use that work to make sure that our systems work. Yeah, yeah, and again, it's sort of you know, I suppose a, a great opportunity to to test, stress test, and uh, and engage. So yeah, we're just we're not comparing to anything. We're just focusing on what we're doing at the moment. Good work, good work. And Sam, mm -hmm. you've obviously got uh, you know th theoretically, I, I say theoretically, but an exciting time in the next few months in terms of sites opening and stuff. And, th and that's um, you know, again, what, what's your kind of Q four projections, if you like, for for the business? Well, I think going forward into quarter four, I think uh, I think for us we are going to get busier. Uh, I think uh, the the nationwide events obviously moving moving a lot of work around, uh, and I think yeah, right, it's an absolutely horrific thing for the staff. But uh, I'm hoping that I mean we've already picked some people up. I'm hoping that because the the, the capacity to do it is now probably less, the volume is still there. That all these people and nationwide have had some fantastic staff uh, working working for them. So I really think there's a good opportunity they're all going to get positions around in, in other places, uh, and so they should. So I think a lot of work's going to move about. I think I think where we are is, is with Fix. Fix have always had some really good, strong, positive insurer relationships, and that's going to see us get a little bit busier with where we are, um, with just a look to making sure we balance out the work um, so we can deal with it properly. So so I think, it's it's again, it's a bit of luck that we happen to have the new site coming online and then another site also in Leeds so we can then feed this capacity, feed this volume into the capacity we've got. Uh, and so for us, it's just further refinement of that process. We've, we've come so far with doing our process, but there's so much more we can do. It's almost like you do a little bit more then you unlock something else and you can get that bit further uh, and get that bit more out of everything. And it's just, just, just touching back on just the apprenticeship thing we were talking about earlier. I think training is a massive issue. I think, I think there's a possibility to get some really good staff 
but we have to start looking more to our own and growing our own rather than hoping that people just fall in. Yes, the nationwide event, there's going to be some people there, but that's not going to be there forever. These people are going to get picked up because they're greatly skilled and they're going to find places to go. But we still have that issue going forward next year and the year after that. And I think the key for us that, that I think will help us is having a training, active training program in place for all of our staff. So even people that are really experienced uh, so that they feel they can develop. Because I think you can use training as a way of motivating people. I think if everybody's got something new they can learn, something new they can do, it brings them along. We've had some fantastic um, apprentices recently that within a space of just 18 months are doing some really good panel work, you know, really, really good paint work. Uh, so I really see us being able to accelerate that in the right way. So we're not rushing any training, we're doing it correctly, but having a more of a focus on the training rather than having to go out there into the jobs market and just look for somebody new. Let's have a little bit more of uh, a bit more nuanced development of our own, our own staff, our own team. Mm. So really interesting thoughts. And, and do you think, you know, do, do you think it's kind of one of potentially one of the things to have stemmed from this is the fact that, you know, again, with, with the princes in mind, potentially again, with, with the, you know, sort of disruption we face, but, you know, we now, are we now thinking about creating, you know, far more career path mm. type opportunities for people rather than here's a job. This is what oh, we yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. I think I think now when you look at uh, what a tech can can earn, it's a really good sum of money. Uh, and I think in the past, uh, anything that's been been more our industry, our trade, has almost been looked down a little bit in schools. It's been it's not you're not a doctor, you're not you're not going you're not doing anything that you're not going you're not being an astrophysicist. But it's it's lost that little bit of credibility. But that's just not true. It's a fantastic job. Uh, it's great from from develop from developing who you are and developing new skills. You can get paid really well, uh, and and it's a really good job with lots of longevity in it. You know the skills are needed. There is definitely a skill shortage. You will always be needed somewhere, and these people tend to be really adaptable. So I, I think we have to have a much better. And this is just us as, as a company. A much better link into local colleges and and schools, so we can pick up on those interested, really keen individuals. So we don't want to be picking up an apprentice that has just come to us because they couldn't do something else. We want to pick up an apprentice that really is interested in what we're doing and really wants to do the job and is really keen. And from that motivation, I've just seen the growth in individuals and how quickly they learn and how quickly they can be brought on. And I'm thinking, plus they're younger, plus they're starting from scratch. So you can mold them into that positive mindset uh, and they can learn off, off the people that have been there longer. And you find the people that have been there longer that are teaching them, it sort of rejuvenates them as well. Uh, they get a, new, a, re, a renewed interest in what they're doing. So, again, that's just a, it's just a change in process in how we do it. I don't think there's a great cost there. There's just some time and just some thought. But that is something we definitely have to do as a business, and I think that will benefit people. Really interesting stuff. And, uh, well, I can see a conversation between yourself and Jordan coming on, certainly with the uh, the STEM activity that uh, that's taking place there. So uh, that will be a good conversation to have. And, Frick, us all of that um, – essentially plays into to your hands in terms of aligning uh, closer with vehicle manufacturers. Um, is that fair to say? Definitely. Um, no, I, what's, uh, what hasn't been discussed and what's interesting is the, the whole concept of vehicle ownership and how that's going to play out in the years to come. I mean, we've already seen, you know, PCP, um, people don't own their cars in the, in the way that they used to. And, you know, to, to use a term, what is their skin in the game, so to speak? What is their own investment in the vehicle when um, they can just, I don't know, pay a monthly 
subscription almost. It's, it's become a, a commoditized asset, if you like. Um, so that feeds into the, into the debate from the point of view of, you know, how, you know, how discerning will customers be in the future? How, um, how much pride will, will, will owners take in, you know, the, the standard of their vehicle and the standard of, of their repair? And will they want to seek out these, um, you know, high, high quality repairers and, and VM repairers? I would like to think yes, but it's difficult to say. I mean, my own experience in retail tells me that, you know, if, if you're not priced at that point, at that kind of transactional point, the customer will walk. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know if that's Sam, Jordan, that's something that you guys experience in your businesses. If you're, mm. um, you know, insurance referred work, but that's, that's, that's my experience. Well, you, um, you've probably teed us up beautifully for, uh, for another webinar there where we, can, uh, where we can talk all day about vehicle ownership and, uh, and where that will end up. So uh, that, that leads us beautifully uh, th to the end of today's webinar, in fact. So uh, as I say, we will pick up on that one because it'd be great to have your input on that as well. And I know there's certainly a lot of opinion in terms of, uh, yes, who owns the vehicle uh, ultimately and, uh, and responsibilities and all the rest of it and where that lies. And it's... Uh, it's definitely a, a changing world that we live in, in terms of that. So, uh, so great points mm -hmm. made there. For us. So a huge thank you uh, to, uh, to Jordan and Sam and Frixos for your input today. It's been a fascinating discussion. I could have stayed here all afternoon, but I suppose we should go and do some work really. Um, big thank you to everybody who's joined us. Again, a very quiet audience. They're obviously so enthralled and listening to what you guys are saying. They didn't say anything else. <laughs> it's been great to hear from you. Thank you very much for everyone who's joining us. Uh, so we are back on two weeks time, 30th of September. Again, if anyone uh, you know specifically wants to take part in a webinar and join me on a podcast, watch out for those because they're alternating every other week with the webinars, then uh, do just drop me a line. Be great to uh, speak to as many people as possible. We've got an event coming up in theory on the uh, Tuesday, the 24th of November at the British Motor Museum. You will hear many more details about that. Please take time to join our LinkedIn channel and hopefully we'll have a website live in the next couple of weeks, ARC360 website, and also keep a lookout for the I Love Claims Claims Tech uh, um, event, which is coming up and is a digital special. So a huge thank you once again to our Corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, and our partners, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Thank you very much once again for joining us, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you all again soon. So there we have it, fascinating conversation so far, uh, looking at each of the individual businesses and the respective challenges and opportunities they've faced in recent times, as well as obviously starting to move the conversation on now in terms of the future and the wider industry uh, issues. Huge thank you to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. You've been listening to the ARC360 audio recording of the webinar on the 16th of September. Thanks very much for tuning in. Look forward to catching up with you all again soon.